0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SACS's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher. I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. In the spring of 2022, I visited with three Clemson students, actually, four, because I don't know why I said three. I visited with four Clemson students as they graduated and began working in higher ed adjacent jobs. Now, we're a summer and a fall term away from that episode, so we decided to get together and see how things are are going and where everyone is now in February of 2023. Today, we will talk with, so I just want to say at this point, if you haven't listened to the first part of this episode, I encourage you to go back. These are both going to be released at the same time, so listen to part one, and then it's like a cliffhanger, what will happen And then immediately you can listen to part two, which is this podcast. Um, So today we're going to talk again with Olivia Battinelli, Frederick Evans, Mariah Jones, and Simone Richardson about their experiences with work in the past several months. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining me today. So as we get started, um, I know in the first part of this uh, two-part series, I had you get a lot into who you are and what you're doing. So we'll condense that just a little bit. Um, But if we could just start with a quick introduction, if you'd take a moment and share your name, something fun that you have done, read, watched, or listened to since you graduated, and then something you do regularly for yourself outside of work. And Simone, I would love it if you would get us started. Happy to. Thanks, Michelle.
1: Um, So my name is Simone Richardson. Uh, One of the things that I have watched um, since graduation is I binged all of Stranger Things. And I know people love Stranger Things and I had heard a lot about it, but I bought into it and I'm obsessed with it. It's, I would say, probably like top five best shows that has ever been made. And that is just my personal opinion, but it's it's really good. Um, And I'm excited for the next season and I need it to come out tomorrow. Um, Okay. And then something that I do regularly for myself uh, since graduating, I got a dog. Um, Well, my boyfriend and I got a dog and just like being able to just like be a dog mom is really fun and it's a responsibility, but like not too much that it's like overwhelming. Um, So honestly, just like taking care of my dog actually just has like been able to like fill my cup in a lot of ways that I didn't think would be able to. But yeah, so that's something that I do regularly. Just casual dog mom duties.
0: (laughs) Awesome. What kind of dog did you get? And and what's the dog's name? So her name is Zoe
1: and she's a mini golden doodle and she's the most, every day I'm like, why are you so cute? You're the most beautiful dog I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, So I'm kind of just obsessed with her a little bit, maybe in an unhealthy way, but yeah, she's perfect.
0: <laughs> I love that. Congratulations. That's fun. Thanks, Michelle. Absolutely. Uh, Mariah, what about you?
2: Hi everyone. So my name's Mariah Jones. Um, I am currently learning about how to navigate my adult relationships. So something that I've read since I graduated with a book called Attached, and it's on attachment theory, highly recommend it. Um, and something I do regularly for myself. Um, I really found that it was super helpful to have a strong, tight community um, when I was kind of going through some personal challenges after the whole work situation. And so um, I've been making sure to Host a lot of events at my house so that the people around me feel loved by me and I feel loved by them. And then in the hard times where <laughs> we have that much more uh, time together to feel, I don't know, they're just strengthening me. Does that make
3: sense?
0: <laughs> ah, absolutely. I love that. Wonderful. Um, Fred, how about you?
3: Yeah. So my name is Frederick or Fred Evans, whichever you prefer to call me um I think my what's been fun for me and what I do regularly go hand in hand so a lot of people don't know like before college I was I was very much big into sports I was a baseball basketball player lo- love sports when I got to college kind of let that stuff go I wasn't watching as much wasn't working out as much I wasn't really into sports life I just lost that energy that I had but ever since graduating I feel like I've kept up more with the sports world. I kept up more with sports commentating, listening to podcasts, going to the gym more, like actually working out like I did when I, when I was an athlete, like, and just having that energy, um, with me and like kind of taking that competitive mindset, the athlete mindset, and even honestly, even bringing that into the the workplace as well in in some ways. So that has both been fun for me. It's something that I try to regularly do for myself, um, and take care of myself outside of the work world.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And Liv, how about you?
4: Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Olivia Batnelli, or Liv, whatever you would prefer. Um, something fun that I have read, I currently am reading this book called The Authenticity Project. It is one of the best books that I have ever read. And long story short, it's about this older artist man who's not you know, doing well with his art business. And he leaves a book detailing things that went wrong in his life and leaves it in a cafe. And then it's a chain reaction and it gets picked up by strangers and they put their stories in and they drop it in a different place. So it's very interesting and kind of giving me some ideas. Like, should I do that? Should I like start my own version of the authenticity project? Um, but it's been making me, it's been making me smile and I read it on my way in to work on the train. Cause I have to commute now. <laughs> um, so, and then something that I've done for myself outside of work, I've been very intentional about being okay with spending a little extra money on taking care of myself. Um, so I'll get like a massage or something once a month and just kind of relax and unwind and go alone. And it's the best thing ever. I love it. <laughs>
0: That's great. Well, thank you all for that. I appreciate a little snapshot of what's been going on lately. Um, So let's start to shift into the conversation about work. And if each of you could share where you were working when we recorded the first episode, which was right around graduation um, last spring, where you're working now, And if you're in the same place, what is it that keeps you there and keeps you going? Or if you've made a shift, why you chose to make the move? And Mariah, if you wouldn't mind starting this time, that would be great.
2: Sure. So um, upon graduation, I was working with Zoom as a university tech recruiter. Um, So I was helping to recruit uh, all of our uh, interns and new grads for our software development roles. Um, And then now I'm working at Duke University as the Assistant Director for Employer Relations. Uh, So I just help our recruiters recruit our students. I'm basically on the institutional side um, exactly what I was doing before. Um, And what keeps me where I'm at? Well, I actually made the move because I was laid off uh, just due to the pending economic downturn. So I was actually at the career fair at Duke about a week or two before I was laid off. Um, and so my current manager she actually helped me come retrieve some of my items from the gym when we were making the switch to uh, the other side of campus for another career fair so we talked for about 20 or 30 minutes on the walk over there and uh, two weeks later when she found out that I lost my job she sent me a, a role to apply to so
0: wow well it's nice that the transition was fairly smooth um because it's not fun to be laid off and have to navigate that unexpectedly. So thank you for that, Mariah. Um, Fred, what about you?
3: Yeah, so I I guess when this po- the first podcast came out, I was very new um, to my role with EY, Ernst Young, as a campus recruiter. Um, so I did that role, saw the full life cycle of a recruiting process, how to fall, was traveling to different campuses, presenting, um, reviewing applications, doing everything a campus recruiter does. Um, and then I decided to make a shift um, back into student affairs, back into working in higher education, uh, where I am now. I work at Elon University in a program called Elon Academy, um, essentially the program is for low-income, first-generation high school students within the community, um that are seeking college that that want um, to seek higher education opportunities. So we work with them beginning essentially at the beginning of their sophomore year of high school. There's a summer component. There's different um, different pieces. Like for my role, I work with um, seniors in high school. So with their financial aid, with their college application process, as well as, so as I mentioned, with the college, uh, with the uh, summer program. So I made that shift. That was a me personal decision. Um, and, you know, I always never said there was anything about EY that I had negative to say. There were certainly experiences that weren't perfect for me, but there were definitely um, just was not quite on my career path or my career trajectory. And I wasn't really um getting getting what I wanted within a career. So what's keeping me where I am now is that I am having that. I am working with students um that um that that I want to support, that I want to work with long term and, and create opportunities for. I've always said it's been a dream of mine to create my own nonprofit um college access program and that's essentially what this program is and to learn from here um, and, and continue to grow my career not a, along with it being my undergrad institution so being very familiar with the the school itself um, has also been very helpful in my transition as well so happy to be here happy to see some familiar faces but also uh, working with the growth of this program and the university
0: wonderful thank you so much and olivia i know you were at ernst young as well tell us where where are you now
4: Yes. So I was very lucky that I got to work at a company with my best friend, Fred, um, was really nice to have each other and just kind of have that built in support system. Um, similar to him, I was a market recruiter. So essentially he was on the campus and I was behind the scenes helping recruiting students into specific positions in the offices, so it was a lot less student interaction, which I think was really hard for me. And it was more, you know, I was working with the administrators, um, and the partners of the company, um, which was great and it was awesome experience. But it just was not giving me that one on one student time. And if it was student time, it just felt very surface level. So I decided, similar to Fred, that it wasn't meeting my career expectations. And also, you know, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I am from New York and I wanted to be back and be closer to family. Um, So I had a friend who actually worked at NYU message me, similar Mariah. She said, hey, I know you're thinking about moving back home. Would you be interested in this role? And she sent it to me. I said, why not? I'll apply. And it was as an academic advisor and internship coordinator um, in the College of Education. And then specifically in the Department of Media, Culture and Communication. And a little like green light went off in my brain. I was a communication major in undergrad. I was an advisor at Clemson. I did internship stuff at EY. All the stars there were aligning of experiences that I had in the past. Um, So I was so excited and I applied and I got the position and it has been an awesome few months. Um, I'm very happy with, with the change that I made. So.
0: Great. Well, and both your story and Mariah's and probably yours too, Fred, it sort of, uh, emphasizes what a small world student affairs is and how those connections are, you know, a conversation walking across campus. Those can be really significant things. So thank you all. And Simone, how about you?
1: Um, so for me, I worked at a company called To You, and this company was responsible for the um, connecting with institutions across the country to help kind of bring some manpower to their programs. So giving an example, let's say Harvard wanted to have an MBA program, but didn't necessarily have a department that it could be run out of or Uh, Faculty staff that could power it, they would connect with our company to you and we would bring advisor admissions counselors, student success advisors to that program to be able to support students in retention and just kind of the whole student life cycle. So I'm a student success advisor. I actually work for a school in California, UC Davis, um, and I'm a student success advisor there. Um, One of the things that I just really love about this company, here we are, March 21st will be a year for me. I'm still there. Um, And one of the things that I really love about it is I work for the company. So I don't actually work for UC Davis, um, but we partner with them. So it's great to still have that line of being able to work directly with an institution, but not necessarily have them be the ones who are employing me. Um, I will also say that there are a lot of really good benefits that come with working with my company. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm still there. One of them being um, unlimited PTO. Um, So having unlimited paid time off is just something that I really never thought I could have, would have. And I think every time I say that to someone, they're like, so, how do you like get any work done if you have unlimited paid time off and I always joke that I still work on a team, I still have students to support, so of course, I have to be a responsible adult and still do my job and I think that is where the the fine line is in terms of like getting people to work but of course, I could get into sharing more about it um later in this episode, but Yeah, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm still in the role, because there is a lot of just like great opportunities here at TU for me. Mm
0: -hmm. And I just want to make sure that I'm clear, you're working remotely, correct? So you're not in California at UC Davis, but your position is remote. um, And you're actually on the other coast (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: I'm actually I'm happy that you brought that up I think most of my day is doing simple math just trying to figure out okay if it's my time here it's this time for them the rest of my team actually they all live in Denver so I have to do that time conversion too so I'm like okay plus or minus two for, for my team and then plus or minus three for my school that I'm supporting so yeah It's been a
0: journey. (laughs) Very good. Well, thank you all for that. At at this point, you know, just respond in what order makes sense to you all. But I would love, now that you've set the stage for the conversation, to talk a little bit more about each of your experiences. So if you can think back, and um, yeah, I couldn't remember who started in March, who started in April, but I knew it was all pre-graduation for all four of you. Um, thinking back to accepting the position and starting the job, what were some of your expectations and how were those, um, how were those met? Or if there were things that weren't quite met, if you can remember back to that point in the job acceptance and beginning, what, what did expectations look like for you?
3: I would say even off of Simone's point about some of the benefits and and, and um, the glitz and glamours that come with working in, in, a, in a corporate life, I think those things were, were glamorous. They it looked very nice, the PTO, the wellness funds that we had, all the great things, work from home, even all those things. So in my mind, I felt like, oh, this be, I knew higher ed was very fast paced and that we were working long hours doing crazy amounts of work. And that still is the case. I, I recognize that and well underpaid within higher ed i'm not afraid to say it but in my world that it was just this fantasy land of all great things i work when i want to do work from home i can wake up and when i want to do work when i want to that kind of thing which in some ways there were opportunities i always said i'm five steps away from my couch and eight steps away from my kitchen like that was wake up when i want to that kind of thing but it it taught me what a different kind of busy is like what a different expectations can look like, what it's like to communicate with somebody that's not in higher ed or has different higher ed expectations, because I think, you know, the grad program that we all went through and finished was great, but we were only for the most of us were only surrounded by each other and we all understood each other we understood, we had a clear understanding of. What the next steps would look like, either start as a coordinator, start as an assistant director, move up the chain from there and, and, and follow that, that path. And I think all those things were clear to me. Um, and I didn't necessarily have those expectations coming into this role. To me, it was just like, Oh, everything is just going to be great. You always hear about people in the corporate world getting the raise or getting a promotion every other month or something like that. And those were the kind of things that, that were going through my head and I was very excited about. And for the most part, again, I took advantage of, of a lot of those things, a lot of advantage of those opportunities, but I, I then learned that there, there's just some of those things that are not good for me, not necessarily good for me, are not things that I need or, or want. Work from home was a prime example of that. I think I enjoyed it, but there's something about me being able to walk Two steps right next door to me to my supervisor to ask the question rather than having to wait for a response from a supervisor that's in a different state away from me. And I would get the response, but that communication, um, and that relationship building, that team building, my team's not even in the same state as me, um, or even even in the same city as me was was different, um, and, and something that I had to learn and, and grow from uh, within my experience. Yeah, I,
1: uh... Okay. Um, a lot of what I have to say builds right off of the things that Fred said. I think that there were a lot of expectations coming in of things that brought excitement, right? Thinking about, I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, having unlimited paid time off and like not really knowing what that meant when I started. Um, but then also knowing the work from home life. Um, my mom, is very much a not work from home type of girl. She's like, I need to be in an office. Like, I don't like being able to like be around all of these distractions. Um, and I thought that I was the same, um, but I've learned that I'm kind of an in-between. Like I like the opportunity to go to an office and thankfully I am close to an office. Our 2 You headquarters is in Lanham. So it's about a 30 minute drive for me, which isn't a bad commute. Um, I say that, but then I'll do the commute and I'll be sad. Um, but 30 minutes is, is terrible. Um, but I think that having a good balance of being able to go in, but knowing that nobody's really checking for me to go in. So it's purely optional um, just to be able to switch up my scenery when needed. Um, but also knowing that if there's a day that I am running late or just not interested in taking the commute, I can stay home and I can do it here. And they were also really awesome about just like setting up my work from home station so that it like mirrored what my office one was for increased productivity. So, I mean, I appreciated that as an added benefit too. Um, I think that one of the things that, to Fred's point about being close with the folks that you're working with in terms of proximity, knowing that like, okay, I work for this department and I'm able to ask, go next door and ask a question that isn't something that I have. And to be honest, a year into my role, there are still a few things that feel kind of gray that I feel like maybe wouldn't if I would have had that close touch or connection to the folks that were working right alongside me. And even when I do go into the office, It is absolutely not the same type of office that you would see at a school. Like we are all on one floor. It's like an open office floor plan. There are... It's weird and I don't love it. Um, And so even when you're like on your headset on a call, you can like still kind of hear the person next to you, but the person you're talking to can't hear them, um, which is cool. And I'm not a fan of the headset that I'm rocking right now. It looks kind of robotic, um, but I think there are a lot of expectations that I had um, and some were met and some unfortunately were not. Yeah. All right. Thanks,
0: Simone.
4: I think similar to what Fred and Simone are bringing up our exp- my expectation here was that this was going to be the best thing that ever happened. I was moving away. I thought wow, that's so cool. I'm trying something new, really getting outside of my comfort zone. Um and to be to be transparent, I think I was a little money hungry, if you will. Um, of I saw dollars, I saw dollar signs, I saw the benefits. I saw a new opportunity to move out of state and I said, that's incredible. Why not take it and run? Um, And I think my expectation, I built up such high expectations for this role. And I said to myself, oh my gosh, you are going to have the best time and you're going to make some great connections, which all to say I did. And I am very grateful and very thankful for the short stint of time that I spent at EY. I think, It brought me to where I am now without the position I had. I don't think I would be here at NYU, Um, but I think that it was, it was a difficult um, thing to swallow when I was going through, should I leave, should I stay of, I just kept, closing my eyes and picturing myself back here on this conversation we had like two days after Fred and I started like April 29th or something. And we were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. We're having such a good time. Um, and just to then flash forward to when things were kind of just getting rough and, and learning a different type of work style, you know, I just was like, I really miss being in, in my comfort zone and also acknowledging that that was okay, that it was okay to feel like that. And to not, you know, You don't have to put yourself through something that you don't genuinely, or it's not filling that cup that Simone, you were saying earlier. Um, So I would also say though, too, similar to the office structure, Simone, we also had a very open space and every time I would go in, I didn't feel productive. So I loved working from home. I thought it was great. Every morning, my alarm would go off. I'd make my coffee and I'm sitting at my desk and I could go downstairs and sit by the pool. It was an awesome schedule. Um, and anytime I would go though into the office, I'm like, I'm not gonna get anything done because I'm basically just sitting here with everybody, not behind a closed door. Um, and so I think we've just built up these unrealistic expectations um, and I think that happens with any job, with anything you do. It's never going to be a perfect match, and that's and that's okay.
2: So I feel like uh, my experience is a bit different than the rest of everyone here, just because I started um, in a full time role in back in January, so the beginning of that semester when we graduated. So I was actually working at Twitch, which is a subsidiary of Amazon. And I was in a contractor role and then, you know, they kind of gave us a hint that layoffs were coming. And so I found that new role at Zoom. And so a lot of my expectations around graduation was just uh, about transitioning to a new company rather than um, transitioning to an entire new field or industry. Um, so I think my expectations around that time were I'm moving from a general uh, experience hiring recruiting role to now focus specifically on university talent. And I thought that I would probably have more opportunities to utilize not only my degree, but uh, my knowledge of student development. Uh, I'd say that expectation wasn't necessarily met. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, and I think that's mostly because I moved from a very uh, large company with Twitch being attached to Amazon. There's a lot of processes that are already in place um, and you're just kind of coming in there and you're you're going with what's already there. Um, whereas at Zoom, uh, even though it is uh, seems like a big company now, they actually grew from maybe 2,000 to 8,000 employees within the last two years. They had a big burst because of COVID. Um, and so the company still operates like a startup. Uh, so there there was a lot of building in my role there. Um, and it was hard to just do the simple parts of my job I really enjoyed uh, because I was focusing on having to build things from the ground up and convince hiring managers of why it's important to invest in early talent rather than, you know, focusing on actually bringing in that good early talent. Um I'd say I definitely um I moved to a new city as well uh, right after graduation, I think the day after, and so um I wasn't really sure what to expect there, uh but it's it's been fantastic. I stayed as a remote worker. Um I'm still partially remote, I'm hybrid now, and so I think going from a college town like Clemson to where I'm at now, where there's a lot of people my age has made working just feel different. I don't know, because a lot more people can understand what I'm doing because they're not in college.
0: All right. Well, this next question, it it might just be a rewording of the previous one, but I'll ask it in case the phrasing sparks a, a different way of thinking about it. What are some things that surprised you and those might be good, might be bad, could be a mix in your shift from working in higher ed at or on a, a college or university campus to working with higher ed, not necessarily on a campus specifically.
4: Oh, Simone and I keep fighting for the microphone here. <laughs> um <laughs> I think it did spark a little um, bulb in my head of what the shift was. I think the work-life balance in higher ed versus the corporate world is very different and they both have their pros and they both have their cons. But if you're coming from that higher ed place and you always know what the pro and you always know what the con is, when you're going to this corporate setting setting, you have no idea what you're gonna expect. And I think that some of those um unrealistic expectations from your team or your manager of basically your work is your life, or you know, you need to be on here at 8 a.m. Yes, you can log off at 5 p.m. But if you get an email at 10 p.m., you kind of need to answer it. And I think that within reason, and there's certain situations where that is important and viable. You need to do that. Um, And we definitely do it in higher ed, right? We see an email and I'm, okay, I got to get back to that student immediately. Um, But I think it just felt different because it was in a different setting. Um, So really understanding that work-life balance in the corporate world was challenging and having to figure out how to navigate and actually make it work for me. Um, and there were definitely things that I would do to make it work. And then there were things where I was like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. And I think that was another point of when I was thinking about, um, leaving, that was a big driving, um, point for me to, to kind of find something else and and look to the future.
2: I can, uh, kind of bounce off of that a little bit so my work-life balance I feel like it's kind of stayed the same with my shift from corporate to higher ed um but it, it might have actually gotten a, a bit better and I think that has more to do with my manager than it did the industry that I was in and I, I think this kind of might tap onto what you were saying Olivia but so my manager at Zoom came from um Deloitte and so it was it with that world he was very used to responding to things quickly and like you know no work-life balance and me as a techie I'm like I'd get it most of my my coworkers are on a different time zone so we're gonna work in our own time zones and if something needs to be responded to I'll respond to it when I see it and so uh I was struggling a bit there with um I feel like it was it was often I was getting pinged at nighttime, and I felt like I had to respond just because I that was my manager. Um, whereas now, uh, me and my manager, she doesn't even live in the same state as me, and she knows, hey, if if I'm not on right now or I, I can't be on right now, then that that's it. That I will get to it when I see it. And I think it's it's helpful too that we're not in. A, I'm not in a student facing role, so I don't really actually have emergencies ever. Most those fires can be put out when I have the time to, which has been, I think that was very surprising. I thought going back into higher ed, I would have absolutely no work-life balance and it's probably gotten just a touch better.
0: Mariah, if I can ask a quick follow-up, did you, since you worked for Twitch and then for zoom, were those cultures similar or more similar than higher ed adjacent and higher ed? Or was that in itself a pretty dramatic switch going from one to the other?
2: Um, I think the the companies going from uh, one corporation to another was was definitely very challenging. Um, They were were not that similar, just again, with Amazon being a lot bigger um, and well-established and Zoom operating like a startup. Um, Honestly, I think that my time, right, or I'm not going to, I don't want to speak too soon, but so far, I feel like my time back in higher ed has felt closer to my time at Twitch. Um, I think that time at Zoom was just a very special and unique time. Um, and I, I think it just has to do mostly with it, nothing uh, being set in stone because they were, had this huge boom during COVID and no one there really knew how to scale um, in, in the way that they were. Um, And with a university like Duke, it's well-established. There's already processes. If there's something that I have a question about, I can go find that from multiple different places. There's resources available and there's money available. I feel like at Zoom, there was not much money that I had to work with, with like travel and things like that. It was kind of of a constant battle to get resources and things. Whereas at Duke, uh, Duke will throw cash if I need it (laughs) to put on some programming or help my employers. Um, I, I have a lot of, resources at my fingertips whenever I need it.
0: I appreciate that because I think for those of us who are less familiar with the tech side, there are some assumptions that, well, it's kind of the same, whichever place you're working. But to your point, that's not true from one institution to another either. So why we would clump those together is, um, I don't know, it comes naturally, I think, to people, but it should be counterintuitive because... We know your experience at Duke and Frederick's work at Elon, are. there are going to be some things that are the same, but there are going to be some things that are pretty different. So I appreciate that. Um, Simone or Fred, other, other thoughts, anything you'd like to add?
1: I think one thing that I wish I would have said for the last question, but it still kind of nicely marries with this one is one of the things I was excited about in starting to work for this company is that they actually had tuition benefits too. Um, And I know a lot of institutions have tuition benefits um, and not being at an institution, I would have to be okay with that not being the case. Um, To you recently just took our tuition benefit away. Um, And I think that in the grand scale of things, I often have to think that they are thinking of themselves as a company um, and the company has really great company culture and I've really enjoyed my time there, but knowing that in the list of things to consider that was one of the ones that they wanted to stop. I was very surprised by, but at the same time, understand that often they're seeing sales and revenue, uh, like what's bringing revenue to the company, not necessarily um, what are the ways that we can support our employees, um, because that was a really good benefit. And I know the benefit, honestly, I think was paused for the past like year, I want to say. So I think that was kind of their slow transition of like knowing it was going to be taken away. But also knowing that that is something that drew me to the company um, definitely surprised me in a not so good way. Um, but yeah, like I said, working for a company that is not an institution directly, understanding that getting a tuition benefit, one, was unique to begin with, um, but now it's just not the case. All
3: right. Yeah, um, I think not to keep doing the piggy off game, but a little bit, well, Simone, you kind of alluded to what? Um, I was hitting that. I think the priorities and your expectations were something that kind of got me, so all I kept hearing and all live heard as well was the needs of the business, you know, you need to be acting in the best needs of the business. And to me, like, forgive me if Tony hears this, and we talked about this in our higher ed admin class, I don't ever remember there being like a focus on, you need to make sure in your role that you're doing what is in the best interest of the university. To me, it was always the best interest of the student and acting in the best interest of the student. And that's not to say we'd ever do anything bad to a student that we're working with, EY would ever do anything bad, but it always came down to what the business needs were and not necessarily the business, you know, What's going to be the best look for the business? What what do we need for the actual business rather than what is in the best interest of the student? And I think that's where. I kind of collided with that uh, because I, I understand that that's business, I don't come from a business background. I was a history major in undergrad. Obviously, my master's was with you all. So like I didn't think of, you know, I didn't necessarily consider like what is in the best interest of a university. I'm always thinking, what, what can I do in my role that are in the best needs of that student? So I think learning that philosophy and having that philosophy ingrained in me uh, was something that surprised me. And I can't say that that's good or bad. It's just just kind of how it is. Like, I don't know. If there's if that was good or bad, it's just was, it's just what it is, how we operate
0: So for the three of you who made the shift back into higher ed um, if if there's anything you haven't had a chance to share about why that happened, I'm also interested in the timing like at what point did you decide look? This is this is the right time for me to make the move. And Mariah, I know your situation was a little bit different because the company kind of said, now's the right time for you to make a move. Um, but what are your what are your thoughts on that? And if there was a moment or if there was, you know, just something that you're like, this, you know, I, I gave it a shot and I tried it out, but this is really where I think my life goals and my, my energy align with the work? What did that look like for each of you?
4: Oh, this is, this is a tough one, Michelle. <laughs> um, I think that, and I said this earlier on in the introduction, I relocated from New York to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I remember saying like every, Every month that I was getting closer to my one-year anniversary, which would have been April 23, so coming up soon, I could do this for another month. I could do this for another month and stay in another state. That's not my home state. And every single month we were inching closer, it just got harder and harder, you know, missing friends' birthdays, not seeing my parents, you know, being away from my sister, It was difficult. And I just felt very removed and detached. And especially, you know, being in Clemson for two years, I really wanted to be back with my family. Um, So I think that was kind of in the grand scheme of things. I was like, why am I pushing myself so hard when I know what I want? I know that all of you definitely thought I was going to move back to New York. That was a kind of a given every time that we would have conversations about what's next steps. It was lives going back to New York. And then everyone was like, what? You're moving to Charlotte. Um, and you know, I, I'm very proud of myself and I'm proud of myself for putting myself out, uh, out there and see what was available. And I brought my boyfriend with me and <laughs> to suffer. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, we had it, we had a good time and it was a learning experience, but I think the, at the end of the day the biggest thing for me was that student interaction and having it be more deepened. I, the The conversations that I would have with students were so surface level. They were, hey, you have 150 credit hours for your CPA. Great, awesome intern with us at EY. And they were they were helpful conversations for the students. But at the end of the day, it wasn't serving me either. It felt like I wasn't Helping them, and there was no purpose to my to my position. So I think all of those factors and location being the number one thing um, was just trying to push me back into where I'm supposed to be, at least for right now.
3: Right. Yeah, I had a very clear cut moment. Um, you all, everybody's least familiar with this human, but Matthew Kirk, I called him up, a uh, mentor of mine. I worked. I was worked as his intern my first year at Clemson. And then we certainly, we stayed in touch with each other. And I explained to him everything I was going through. I was telling him, like, I just wasn't enjoying the work that I was doing, not really getting the fulfillment, not just wasn't feeling it. And he just asked me the most, he just said the most simplest thing to me that I had never even considered. And that was, you know, as an adult, it's okay to make mistakes and and to try something and not like it. And like that had just never resonated with me. Um, I mean, obviously I make mistakes all the time. I try stuff I don't like all the time, but especially when it comes to a career, like I got this master's degree. I am supposed to have my life figured out. I was supposed to do everything, everything on, on a timeline and have this perfect world of everything fall into place. But once I considered that on top of the current position I'm in now, earlier that day, I saw there was an opening. Uh, for me in my own personal spiritual being, that was nothing but God telling me that it's, it's time to make a move. It's time to, um, to, to do what's in your best interest. So I don't remember the exact date of that time, but Everything fell into place because I applied that night, interviewed the next week, and then a few weeks later, here we are. So it, I had to have that moment. I had to have somebody kind of just say, like, it's okay. Like, you're you're, you're an adult. You're 24 years old, but it's okay for you to – you tried it. You saw it all the way through, at least the, the cycle of it. You were able to see it all the way through. Um, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Why force yourself to, to do something you don't like? So that was my moment.
0: That's great. Anything to add, Mariah? I, and again, I know your situation is different, so
2: now my answer will come in the next couple questions.
0: Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, so and and this is really up to you and what you want to share because I don't. You knew I was going to ask it because I sent it ahead of time, a little bit ahead of time. But what was it like, because I think one of the things that people worry about, and I really appreciate the way you phrase your response, Fred, it, you know, it's like, I'll take a job, I'll do that for two or three years, and then I'll look for my next position that isn't the way that it goes, maybe even for most people, but that's sort of this narrative that we put out there. So as you were getting to the point and you were thinking, okay, now's the time and there's this opportunity, how, what was that like to communicate either with the company or with your direct supervisor? Is there anything about that part of the transition that you would wanna share?
4: Yeah, I can share a little bit about this to be again, fully transparent. I was okay with leaving this company and not working for a little while. I think it was a reset that I knew that I needed and wanted. Um, But Fred said, sometimes things just fall into your lap and you're like, should I, should I just put myself out there? Should I do it? And when my friend sent me this NYU opportunity, I said, yes, like I'm going to take it. I'm going to run. If I don't get it, I don't get it. And there's always going to be stuff out there. Um, but I think communicating that I was ready to go home and couldn't live in North Carolina any any longer went really well. I felt very supported by my manager and that she understood my situation and what was going on and wanted me to do what was best for me. And I remember her saying that to me in a conversation on Zoom. And I thought that that was pretty pretty admirable to see from a corporate company looking out for your well-being, looking out for you and what your goals are as an individual. And so I really appreciated that and her transparency of if this is not the right fit for you right now, it's okay. So when I heard that, I said, that just affirms my decision. And again, I was okay with not working for a little while. And I didn't. I I took about a two-month period off to just kind of reset, get moved back home. All was well. Um, But I think it went better than I definitely anticipated. I was very scared to have the conversation about potentially wanting to leave, but I think it went really well.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. Um, in my position, um, I, I don't think I was as comfortable with not working. I I got to work. I got bills to pay. I got, I got a lot of things that, that I had to, I couldn't, um, I didn't feel comfortable just leaving, but I did end up making that decision to express that I was no longer interested before I even had anything lined up and it was that the best decision i don't know it worked out um again things work out the way they're supposed to um but i i went back and forth i don't necessarily have anything lined up i don't know you know if i express this will they even keep me on the team like will they fire me immediately i don't know i had to Put my big big boy pants on and and have some faith that, that things would work out the way they were supposed to. But very similar to live, I had that open and honest conversation. I, I made it very clear. I it took me a while to like express like how I felt in the first place. Like there's, I don't know to know me. Like I think I'm. I just I think a lot. I have a lot of thoughts to go through my head, and sometimes it's difficult to articulate that for somebody to understand. I don't know. That's just who I am. But once I was able to articulate my points, able to get what I needed out, and even reach the point of, well, uh, I don't, it don't even matter if somebody's gonna think of me. If this is not what's gonna make me happy, I got, I got to do what's best for me. So once I reached that point and I felt comfortable enough, um, obviously I talked to some folks, talked to my family, talked to some mentors, talked to Liv, and she was right there. She understood. I just left the firm um, a few months earlier, so took all those perspectives and then at the end of the day just kind of had to say all right I respect and love all these people that are giving me these opinions and and have these insights but at the end of the day it's going to come down to Frederick and make the best decision um for me and that that's just what it was I had to be honest you know they weren't I don't that definitely think it caught them off guard I weren't expecting me to do that so soon but um very respectful and um understanding and didn't didn't, didn't get fired on the spot I'll say that like it was, I had time to had time to search had find had Time to continue my search, I should say, um, and find the best opportunity uh, for me.
0: Great. Um. Oh, how you you each talked about this again a little bit. Um, kind of. I'm going to combine the next two questions: how you found the position that you're in now, or how it found you. In many cases. Um, Were any of you thinking or actively seeking experiences that were outside of higher ed? So looking to make a move to another corporate experience? um, Or were all of you like, no, now I'm, I'm ready to go back to higher ed and be on a campus again for a little while? What are your thoughts about that?
2: Um, I can talk a little bit about my experience. I was not looking to go back into higher ed. I really, really enjoy tech, Um, but just kind of evaluating what my options would be just with the economy and how much experience I actually had at that point. Um, I had some really big names on my resume, but not um, a lot of time. Um, And so it made it difficult to look at different industries. So I could stay in tech or I could go somewhere else um, but, you know, in tech, a year of experience, it's kind of like dog years, I tell people. So a year of experience can really feel like two or three, um, whereas a year of experience and then trying to move into banking uh, as a recruiter in banking, something like that. I'm, I'm not getting an associate level position or anything like that. You know, it's, it's going to be very junior in the company. Um, so that was something I had to think about. Uh, it was either stay in tech. Um, or take this opportunity that was presented to me. Um, And so Duke was the only higher ed institution that I applied to or considered. Um, I wanted to either stay corporate within tech or take what was uh, presented.
3: Right. I initially began my search open, like I was just trying to see what else was out there. But when I really took inventory of what I wanted to do and what, my career paths were aligning this position that I'm in now working with this program fitted it perfectly it as a program I was a mentor for an undergrad. I knew my direct supervisor now was my supervisor when I was a student here. Everything just kind of fell into place um for me. So I started to look elsewhere, started to look at what what other uh, recruiting places might look like, but I, I was just like, I don't want to put myself through this position all over again. Like, is it recruiting? just It's just not something I want to do. I don't know. Again, back to Mariah's point about experience. Like, I don't have that much experience. Why don't I go you know, find something that I know I'm going to like, know I'm going to get fulfillment out of. And I know this job is not perfect. The school is not perfect. Higher ed is not perfect. I I recognize that, but I know that I can get that fulfillment. I know I can do this work. Um, I've seen it before. I've, I've done it in different capacities. Um, and again, things just kind of, as I was applying, as I was moving through different processes and in the application process, this one was moving right along. So that's where I put my put my faith in and that's where I continued on.
1: Great. Right. Um, I would say. Oh, sorry, Michelle. No, no, please, Simone. Um, I would say that being in this role at this company is something that I was really hopeful for when I did begin my search. Um, and I, I would say I started searching maybe in like a a year, a little bit about uh, like a year ago around this time. Um, And I remember really wanting to move and really wanting to start a full-time role and getting a bit desperate too, because of course, like I was moving with a partner and he was able to get his full-time role. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) we're going to start having to show like pay stubs to people. And like, I don't have that right now. Um, And so I think a big part of my search I got a little bit kind of like anxious and desperate and I think I remember myself saying this on part one Um, and so then I started applying to all of these different universities and trying to just like find something um, even though I knew I had my sights really set on this role Um, and of course everything ended the way that it was supposed to for me Um, but I got basically to the end of an interview process for a school and the whole time I was interviewing I was like I can see myself doing this because it's what I have been doing for a long time but am I going to be excited about this role am I going to feel like I am getting fulfilled in this role um and so like finally settling out to be where I was is something that I was really grateful for and I think um I don't know how long I'll be at this company. I can see kind of the upward trajectory from like where I am now to where like I could be in a few years. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful to be in the role that I'm in. And I knew that with my sister being here, like I already knew about the company a little bit. So I didn't have to do too much research into it, but yeah, things worked out in the way they were supposed to. Right. All
0: right. Um. So now we're going to draw upon all of your wisdom, right? Um, this is going to air kind of as that job search, um, like you said, Simone. And your cohort, in my experience, was different than most because so many people got jobs so early. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if that's going to continue this year or not. I think. There are a lot of higher ed jobs out there right now, so I don't know that students are feeling some of the pressure that I feel like your cohort felt. Um, But as they're exploring, what advice do you have for them? And I, I would ask you to share advice, certainly about if you're thinking about going corporate, if there are things you would encourage them to consider, but even just advice more broadly about doing the job search and you know cohort dynamics matter and um if you're doing a certain like if you're doing a geographically focused search that's going to be different than someone who's doing a national search so i'll just leave it open for whatever lessons learned or insights that you all might want to share and again whoever would like to start
2: I can kind of start us off. So this is just a, I think I spoke in the last episode about um, there's like a Facebook group, the expats for student affairs and how uh, I wish I hadn't have joined that group uh, at the time I did in the program, just because it jaded me a bit and made me a little bit bitter towards higher ed. Um, and I think that I just saw how important it was to have that mindset when I was, um, you know, on campus and talking to the person who ended up being my future manager, um, because she, we were having a conversation about um, our backgrounds. And so we both had a background in higher ed. um, And, you know, she's telling me all the places she's worked and all that stuff. And I think it could have been so easy for me in that moment to switch right back into that complaining mode, um, because I was in a safe, safe place with someone else who, who understands how difficult higher ed can be sometimes. Um, But... Well, A, I was wearing my corporate attire and representing my company, but I also just had been out of higher ed for so many months that I just, I wasn't mad or bitter anymore and had nothing but positive things to say about higher ed. Um, and so that conversation went very well. Um, and they ended up remembering me a few weeks later when I was in need of a new role. So I think um, that'd be something, some a piece of advice is to make sure, even in your job search and when you're interviewing um, at institutions of higher education or or elsewhere, um, to just always speak positively about the field that you came from. Like, you know, it's, I love my degree. I wouldn't go back and change that. I, I, it meant so much to me and it's still, I still use it every day. Right. And so I think, um, just trying to speak as positively as you can. And then also thinking about stability, um, when you're, you know, considering taking a corporate role or staying in higher ed, um, that was, the major factor that made me decide to come back to higher ed and, and work at Duke is I need to pay my bills. And I used up quite a bit of my savings to go and um, gallivant around the world for two months during my employment break. Uh, and so I, I wanted to take something that was gonna allow me to rebuild my savings and um, keep my house <laughs> and you know, d- you know, do some other important life things, you know, contribute to my 401k uh things like that so you, you have to consider you can take a, a high paycheck in a really cool fast paced career like tech but then you know layoffs are something that happen, and they happen every day and a lot less people feel sympathy for you um and <laughs> high is stressful but you're gonna have a job <laughs> so
0: great
4: i can go next i was just thinking mariah as you were talking of like what would be my biggest piece of advice and it's a that this is not a race the job search i think that that is something that at least our cohort last year i felt like that was there that competitiveness against not necessarily each other of just who's gonna have a job That was just like eating away at people and, oh, my gosh, you have a job. Oh, my gosh, you have a job. I don't have a job. I have interviews, but I don't have the job lined up. I think it's not a race. So take that as you will. Um, You'll find something that fits your needs and you've really reflected on, are you going to feel stable in that position? Are you going to feel like you're going to get fulfillment out of that role? All of those things are very important as you are embarking on this at, on the search. Um, I think something too to keep in mind is that no job is going to be perfect at all. Um, as if you could hear on this podcast episode, all of us have something about the role that we were in or are in, that yes, could you know have some improvement, but that's how, how we learn and being okay with that too is just going to be very helpful for you. Um, and I think that to sit there and think about what your priorities and what your goals are with this new life that you're going to embark on and that nothing is permanent. So not letting that peer pressure kind of overwhelm you. You're going to find whatever's going to be best for you, whether that be two months, six months, a year, two years, and that it's okay that if you're not feeling that fulfillment that you move on and you find something else. So I think all that to say is I'm especially grateful for how things worked out for me. I wouldn't be where I was without my position at EY Um, But I think, you know, don't let your peers overwhelm you. And it's great to share your insights and your experiences. And it's also okay to keep things to yourself too and private um, and figure figure this out on your own. So, yeah.
3: Well, I wrote down three things, but I'll be brief with these three things because I couldn't consolidate them into one. Um, so the first one, I alluded to this and some others alluded to this as well, and that should not get caught up um, on these benefits and these glitz and glamours. I think that stuff is great and that make you feel good. When I first heard Unlimited PTO, I was a sign-in bonus. So I, Whoa, what is this? What is this world? So I think all those things are great, but all that stuff, one sign-in bonus is tax, so know that coming in. Um, and then also understand that that some of that stuff will go away. Some of that stuff in the heat of the moment will, will not be applicable. Um, and you just got to know if you even enjoy the job in the first place. Um, the other one I would say is to trust yourself and trust the experiences that you've had. Um, so if you're graduating from this program or any higher ed program, you've had some kind of GA, you've had some kind of internship and multiple experiences as one. So trust that you've gotten some experience um, from that that can be um, transferable to another job. So I know that imposter syndrome is a real thing, something I dealt with. I'm sure many of us have dealt with, but know that you can figure it out or you know the right resources to to, to find your way through it. And the last thing I would say, very simple, but just continue to work hard. Like, Don't lose that like hardworking mentality that that you had. Like a lot of us were that over involved undergrad student or had that thing that we were so passionate about in undergrad that led us to student affairs in the first place. Keep that energy, understand your boundaries, understand that you can only do it so much and understand that it's still just a job at the end of the day, but never stop working hard. Because one thing I made very clear when I made the, when I said that I wasn't um no when I was when I wasn't interested in the job anymore and I wanted to move on, I'm still going to finish my job to the very last day. I'm still going to do the very thing to the last day because that has the company's name on the line. That has my team name on the line. Most importantly, it has my name on that line. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm finishing all projects. I'm finishing everything um, and, and working hard and, and seeing everything through. Right.
1: Okay. And now how am I supposed to go after that, Fred? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But Fred always does a good job of saying things in the best way. I think Olivia said a lot of things that I just want to echo about really prioritizing the things that are important to you and the things that you need. Um, At the end of the day, you will be the one working this job, right? So you can, of course, like field advice from other folks, but it really is going to come down to the things that ultimately, you are looking for in a position. And I want to say it was Michelle. I can give Michelle a lot of credit for a lot of things. But I want to say that this is something that she said. And if it's not, then forgive me, potentially, Tony, for this thing that you may have said. But if you're interviewing... or like looking into roles and they are looking for someone to come in and hit the ground running right now, maybe that is not the place that you want to be, right? Being able to like take your time through the job search and like really like ask the right questions and like sift through what that position really looks like. Hopefully um, where you're looking affords you that opportunity to take your time while
0: you're making the decision um, because that's important. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I actually was talking with someone the other day who felt like they were going to get an offer because their supervisor was almost too busy to interview them. And it's like, okay, think through what might that mean for you? So I do think that's really important. How you're treated during the search can give you a whole lot of clues as to what it will look like once you're working there. So. Um, the last question I have before you all fill in the gaps of everything that I should have asked is based on your experiences, what are some potential lessons you think student affairs could learn from corporate? And Fred, I love that you mentioned signing bonus, um, because I've seen two or three student affairs shops that are offering signing bonuses now. and. Um, I, you know, that's nice. But to your point, Fred, that's a one-time short, short-term taxed gift that's not a gift because you're going to be expected to earn that signing bonus. So, um, but whether it's, it's that part of it or other things that, um, I just feel like Student Affairs is trying to figure out how... I, and maybe this is naive or overly hopeful, but how to be better at um, just the way that employees are treated, um, because there are a whole lot of expectations and not always a whole lot of, whether it's compensation, celebration, congratulations. I'm. It sounds like a little poem that I'm writing here, but... Um, it has always been great about how it's treated staff Um, and absolutely there are exceptions to that. So that's not, you know, everybody in the field, but are there things that you experienced or knew of or observed that you're like, why, why couldn't student affairs do that too? This is a kind of easy way to reward employees and show appreciation. So and, and there may not be anything, but I'm just interested if if there are things um, that you might recommend.
4: Michelle, I have one word that I think about when you just asked that, and it's flexibility. Um, that is the best gift of all time. And I think right now in the role I'm at in NYU, we are very flexible. Life comes up, things happen, you have appointments, uh, other obligations, and you know, feeling good that your supervisor is going to understand that you need to step away, like that's amazing. But I think that that's something that not always higher education can can put for its workers. It can be very rigid. It could be very structured. It's so hard for them to say, yes, you can step away from your computer and go handle that. Um, so I think when we were seeing this in the corporate setting, they're very flexible. They don't care where you're Logging on, I could be in Florida, you know, on vacation with some friends, but I'm still working and that's fine. And I'm not saying that that is what I'm asking higher education to give us. I think you're there to do your job. But at the end of the day, it's nice that flexibility is there and being flexible is super important in the workplace.
0: That's great.
1: That's so true, Liv. I definitely echo a lot of that. And something that I also wished was present when I was searching for a role in higher ed, um, because I didn't necessarily know where I was going to end up, is also just transparency with the role and also transparency in the pay. Um, because at the end of the day, if the pay is not on the application, and I'm like, okay, this is still a role that I really like, it sounds really great. And I like prep for it, I take time away, I interview for it. And then we finally get to the pay part. And I'm like, I won't even be able to afford a one-bedroom apartment, <laughs> so that's not going to work, um, and I think if they were just, like, they can put themselves in front of that in a lot of instances where people can see what they're walking into initially just based on, because I know um, a lot of the reasons why sometimes they say they won't is they're like, well, we don't want people just applying just because of the amount, right, or maybe, like, in spite of the amount, Um and I think that that's just something you have to work around, right? I think that that's something that comes with it. But at least letting people know kind of what they're signing up for is something that would be appreciated.
0: All right. Well, if you think of other things, let me know. Um, because I I share this stuff in class, too. So... Um, So my last question is, is there anything else that you want to share? Is there something I should have asked? Um, Just closing comments or observations? I'll kind of leave it open to you all if there's anything else that you want to add.
2: I have something to add. So I think um, something I wish someone would have maybe told me when I was going to the program uh, is that my, just. Future me, right? My experience in my role now has not been what my experience was in my assistantship or my internship or practicum. Um, I feel like there was, I was very stressed during that time because I was also a student and just had so many other responsibilities. And now that I just have one job and I'm told how to do that job there's I mean there's sometimes where things are a bit ambiguous but for the most part I have an understanding of what I'm doing and what I'm there for um, and I'm very lucky because I'm in a place where it's very people focused and I haven't had too many other duties as assigned yet but um, I feel happy and I wish that someone could have told me that there was an, a place for me to feel happy in higher ed. Um, I didn't really expect it to be non-student facing but I mean there are there are places within higher ed. If you are just trying to leave just because you're so scared of what you've experienced in your assistantship or your program, like that might not be what it ends up once you are a full time employee, uh, because you also don't have that stress of being a student and having to navigate uh, things in within the university with. Student hat and then also the employee hat. Like you know, you think you're going to be able to be a super activist and you can't because you also are responsible at university. Like a lot of those different things that you're struggling and wrestling with go away um, when you're just an employee, which is very nice.
0: Well, that's a great point because between classes, assistantship, and internship, that's three jobs, right? Plus, people also work other jobs while they're in grad school, um, and to be able to take that and. To your point, do one job without all of that other stuff. That is um, a dramatic shift that we definitely need to talk more about in the program. So I appreciate that.
3: The one thing I would add, and I don't know if I'm seasoned enough to have a full full wisdom and, and answer to this, but one term that I kept hearing thrown around a lot in my job search, other people's job search, is just this concept of making sure people are paying you your worth. Um, And I push back on that just because I I don't know, at least for me, if there's a dollar amount that's going, one, that that is my worth. I don't know my worth. I've got a master's degree with no full-time experience. What exactly is my worth and what do you expect your worth to be? So I would just say before you go into a job or see a a corporate job that's quote unquote paying you your worth, think about what your worth is. And that's why I began by saying, I don't know if I'm seasoned enough because I don't know if I know what, not even a fully year in, in, in my role. I'm only a few weeks in this role and not even a full year in my um, work as a recruiter. I don't even know if I know what my worth exactly is. So I don't know that, that, that yeah, I, I don't know if there's a, a true answer to what your worth is, um, but you're worth something, but I don't know if you fully know or can really, a number can be added to what your worth is. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like peace of mind is a big part of that, Fred. And so if it costs you your peace, it's way too expensive. Um, but I think that um, something that I just want to say to you, Michelle, if you ever need us to count, I'm saying us, let me not take your time, Fred, Mariah, and Olivia, if you ever, <laughs> if you ever need me to come in or speak to the class or anything of course like you're somebody that i would do that a million times for so thanks for even creating spaces like this um because i know i really appreciate just being able to talk about my experience because if i'm not talking to my mom about it (laughs) who am i talking to you know (laughs) so i'm really grateful for that Simone, I was just going to
4: say that. I was going to say, Michelle, I'm just so grateful that you brought us all here together today. I think this is just such a nice thing about our Clemson program specifically is that we still get to stay connected and in touch with each other. You know, I haven't talked with Mariah and Simone and Fred for a while, and it was just so nice to hear that we're all doing so well and things are going so great. And so thank you for giving us the time to do that. And you're awesome. And I'm very excited to continue to help you out and stay connected.
0: Well, I am very excited to continue to ask all of you to help me out. So uh, I know where you are. I can find you. So, but it's reciprocal. So I owe you definitely. So if there are things I can do, let me know, but. Um, this was fun. This was a lot of fun to, it's the first time I've delayed an episode in hopes to pair it with a follow-up like this. And I just think you've been very generous with your time, but this is a real gift because this is an issue that is, um, everybody speculates about it, but we haven't had a lot of people really engage who know what they're talking about. And so to bring you all together with the insights that you have, um, it's gonna help programs, it's gonna help supervisors, it's gonna help most importantly, students and emerging professionals as they're sort of navigating their way. So um, this was a fun one. Yeah, um, and I, I think I said this before we started recording, but the fact that all four of you were able and willing and seemingly excited to come back together and have the conversation again. Um, That just, it says a lot. And again, I I appreciate all of you very much. So um, I wanna make sure I'm not missing. Oh, okay, the wrap up question. So whether it has anything to do with work or life beyond work, What's something that's giving each of you hope right now? You got me so excited. I almost skipped that part. So what do you think? I can start off. Um, This week
1: is the week before registration for my students. And so it's very busy in terms of appointments. And I also am moving to a new apartment on Wednesday. So behind me is a whole lot of moving boxes. (laughs) But the week after, so... Next week, I'll be in Aruba, and I am telling myself that it's going to be a much-needed, much-deserved break for all of the craziness I'm packing into this week with moving, meeting with all of my students. I think I have 16 meetings today. So honestly, it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be well worth it when hopefully I'm like drinking a drink on the beach, somebody's beach. I don't even care what beach it is. But yes, looking forward to that.
0: That's great. Congratulations and good luck with the move. So,
1: thanks, Michelle.
0: Good thing. For those of you listening, the expression on everyone's else else's faces. I'm not going to Aruba next week. <laughs> what's What's bringing you all hope?
4: I think something that is bringing me hope and just continues to drive me on the path that I'm on is that tough times only make you stronger. And that if you're suffering from something that could be difficult in that moment, it's only going to be a short amount of time until it gets turned around. Mm -hmm. So I always tell myself that in times that are stressful, like similar to Simone, we're approaching registration too. It's about to be crazy. Um, And it is tough times and you're constantly going back and forth with students and faculty and staff. And it's like, oh my gosh, my email is blowing up. Um, but that's just a small example. Like that tough time's only gonna last so long and just keep pushing through, power through, believe in yourself, lean on your people. Um, and then also, I'm going to Copenhagen in March to see my sister. So I'm very excited. So I'm trying to get to that March ninth period of I'm out for ten days. Don't email me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
2: Well, I'm not planning a vacation, but now I think I need to. So. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I'll let y'all know in a week where I'm going. Um, I think the thing that's giving me hope is just like the fact that I was able to focus on the important things in my last role. I was I had the time to do it and the flexibility to really invest in the people around me and my community. And um, I never felt so loved and supported than I did when I got laid off. Like it was even just now, I, uh, three months after, I'm like. I, I'm so glad that I did not give all of my life away to my job. That I really invested in the people who are directly physically around me, um, and I tend to get I'm super anxious about the future. And just seeing how, like, you know, my pay did take a bit of a hit, and you know, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen where where I'm living now, just because you know the economy is kind of unsure. I'm unsure of what's going to happen, but I just Feel so calm about whatever the future will bring, even though I have no idea. I can't even begin to guess. Just because, like, you know, I just was able to see this last few months that things are gonna work out. Like, they'll be fine. I don't have to be stressed about things that I don't know or understand. It'll all come together in some way, and that I, as long as I don't burn the bridges, there will be, you know, there will be people there to help me and support me. Like I was able to reach out to Michelle for a recommendation, and like all the little domino pieces that went together after I got laid off, it just, it worked together so well. So that's, people are giving me hope, really.
3: (laughs) That's great. Yeah, my vacation plans are not set until July. So it's set though, but July, Um, I don't know. Well, I do know what brings me hope and not to be dramatic, not to be too deep, but I woke up this morning, the sun rose, I'm alive, I'm well, I get to interact with you people you all, and and so many others, I, again, I've just, if anything, this process of transition has taught me is that things happen for a reason. Um, this conversation is supposed to happen for a reason. I'm supposed to be in this position for a reason. Um, everything, whether it's work or, or what related, I'm on this earth for, for a purpose, big or small. So I made it through another day, I'm here and that brings me joy and hope.
0: That's great. Well, thank you again. I appreciate all of you. Um, Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by SAXA. We thank them for their support. A reminder that the SAXA annual conference is going to be November 4th through 6th in conjunction with NASPA Region 3. This year's conference will, yeah, this year, 23. I had to think, is it this year or is it next year? This year's conference will be in Atlanta, Georgia. Please watch for information coming soon about conference proposals as you make your plans to attend this fall. I'd also like to leave you with a quote. Um, So I chose this before, but it really fits with what you all shared. So I appreciate that. My biggest discovery was that you can literally recreate your life, you can redefine it. And that comes from Viola Davis, who last night won a Grammy. So now she is a member of. EGOT. So Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Um, Congratulations to her. I I hear she listens to this podcast regularly. (laughs) Not really. I made that part up. Um, But maybe now. My name is Michelle Botcher, and it truly has been a pleasure to host this episode. Have a beautiful day.